Well, hello. It's good to be with you all.、Um, for those of you who don't know me,、um, my name is Alyssa. I'm a relatively new member to Pennington AG. My family and I joined during COVID, so I feel like I haven't met anyone,、um, or at least haven't met people maskless. So if I haven't met you yet, come say hi to me at some point tonight.、Um, a little bit about me. You could go to the slide. This is me and my family. You've probably seen them around. That's my husband, Danny. <laughs> Um, we've been married for six years. Well, six years this, later this month, and then、um, our son Theodore, who's two, we call him Theo. And if you can't tell, I'm due with our next boy next month, so we'll be a family of four soon.、Um, but aside from being a wife and a mom,、um, I'm also on staff with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. I've been on staff for about eight years,、um, and we're like a local college ministry. We plant witnessing communities on college campuses. And something that we're really passionate about in university is like equipping students to be missional leaders and equipping them to reach their friends for Jesus. And so I'm really excited because tonight I'm going to share with you、um, one of the tools that we use like day in and day out as university.、Um, I use it actually all the time, like even in my own personal relationships with friends and family who don't know Jesus. And so. I'm pumped to be able to share this with you guys as well.、Um, hi, Monica. You could take a seat where there's paper or crayons or anything.、Like um, so before we take a deep dive into the content of the five of what we're going to talk about tonight,、um, I want us to take some space to just like、um, reflect and ask God how He's already at work in our lives.、Um, so in John four, and you can put up that slide too. Jesus encounters this woman at the well. I didn't put up the whole passage there, but if you have time and you haven't read it in a while, you can go back and read it、um, sometime this week. And honestly, I could write a whole sermon series on this passage. I pretty much have. Hope and Ryan can probably attest to that as former students.、Um, but it's because this passage is so rich and it's so applicable to our lives. And in this passage, this woman has this encounter with Jesus. She comes to faith. And then she goes back to her village and shares her testimony with her entire town. And she invites every single one of them to come and see Jesus. And then, even more miraculously, her village listens to her and they follow her to Jesus. And many of them actually come to faith themselves as a result. Verse forty-two says, "They said to the woman, 'We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world.'" And so, because of this woman's missional risk, she helped lead her entire village to faith in Jesus. And it was simple, right? Like she just simply went and shared her story with the people she already knew, the people who were in her network. And she invited them to come and see. And likewise, each of us has a village, so to speak, like that. We have networks that we're connected to, people who are in our lives for a purpose that's greater than ourselves. And so we're going to take a few minutes on the paper that I gave you to actually draw out our networks, and I'll explain that in a little bit.、Um, our networks of people that we know,、um, because I want us to become aware of how God is already at work in our circles of influence, who's already in our path.、Um, so we're going to create something that we call a network map. So, for I'm going to show you an example of mine, but for the sake of this conversation, what I want you to do is only put the names of people who are non-Christians in your life on your network map.、Um, 
Um, and to define that, what I mean is people who are not followers of Jesus. So that might take a little bit discernment, right? Like some people, it's very obvious they are atheists or agnostic or of another religion, but there might be other people that are more like nominal Christians who have never really had a powerful encounter with Jesus, have never really had like inner transformation. Maybe they just go to church on Christmas and Easter. They might call themselves a Christian, but they're not actually following Jesus. And so for the sake of this exercise, we'll call them not followers of Jesus or non-Christians or whatever. Um, So here's my network map that I wrote it out. Oh, gosh, can you see that? I wrote it out the other day, but small. Um, What I did was I put my name in the center because these people are connected to me. And then I have different bubbles of networks that I'm uh, connected to off of that. So I have, like, my mom's side of the family, my dad's side of the family, my husband's family, um, and then some friend groups that I'm connected to, like my neighborhood friends, people who live in close proximity to me, um, childhood friends that I'm still connected to, um, high school friends that I'm kind of connected to, mostly on social media, but we still kind of, you know, like each other's things. Um, And then off of each of those bubbles, I wrote the names of the non-Christians in those circles. Um, And so you can see all these different people I'm connected to. Um, So you can even see, like, broader, big picture, who, hi guys, um, who are you connected to because um, you're connected to these other people. Um, So what I want you to do is create your own network map. So again, only the non-Christians in your life. And think through your network. So you might have like family, maybe, you know, you're in a secular job, you might have coworkers, maybe you're on the PTA for your kid's school and you know other parents on the PTA. Um, Maybe even... And this, this is true for me. Like, I went to the same gym class every Tuesday. And as I put my mat down, the same women were on either side of me every week. And we didn't even really talk to each other. But I literally was in their path every single week. And so I might not have known her name, but I could write down girl with the long brown hair that sat next to me in body pump, right? Because she's in this path that I'm crossing um, on a regular basis. And so, you know, God has put her in my path. So don't overthink it. Write down your best friends, your acquaintances, and the people that you might not even know their names. Um, Also, if you're unsure if somebody's a follower of Jesus, just write their name down. Um, The only people we are definitely leaving off are the people who we know for sure are followers of Jesus. So do you have any questions on that before we get started? Okay. Yeah, coworkers. Yeah, so that might be a network. Yeah, I, because I work in ministry, my coworkers are all Christians, so I didn't have that bubble in mind. But that's probably the case for many of you. Yeah, you'd have coworkers. Um, so I'm going to give us seven minutes to work on this, Ryan. If you could just play a song while people are thinking it through, and then I'll bring us back together. Jesus deeply loves each of these people on our network maps. And the heartbreaking reality is that most of them probably don't know that. But God is ever at work, and he is drawing these men and women to himself. And everyone is on a faith journey. Like, everyone all the time is trying to figure out what they believe, what their values are. And we all are learning and growing as Pennington AG. And we want to be a community that helps people take their next step as we help lead people to Jesus. And so whether we're talking about a Christian or a skeptic or someone just checking Jesus out, that person's on a faith journey. And us in this room as Christians, our next step in our faith journeys 
is to be witnesses um, and to witness to the person in the way of Jesus to our friends and family who don't know him. So, um, today we're going to give you some training on how to do that, on how to actually have different conversations with different people um, in this postmodern world that we live in. You know, maybe some of you might realize that what worked decades ago doesn't work anymore when it comes to evangelism. Like, the gospel message remains the same, but our society is very different. Um, And this postmodern context that we're in needs different approaches with different people. And so we're going to give you some things to say and do depending on where your friends are at in their faith journeys. Um, So about 10 years ago, two InterVarsity staff ministers interviewed like hundreds of uh, people who had come to faith in this postmodern world. And what they found in all of these people's stories was that there was this pattern. There were these, they called them five thresholds that these people seemed to go through as they went from non-Christian to Christian. And their stories were all different and how they got there was all different, but this pattern remained the same of these thresholds that they each went through. So this is a brief overview of that process, and we're going to dig into that tonight. Um, Basically, someone begins to trust a Christian friend. Someone becomes curious about that person's faith. Someone becomes open then to change in their life. Then they begin to actively seek after Jesus, and then they start to follow him um, and say yes to him, to his lordship. In Mark 4, Jesus tells this parable about a farmer. Um, And in this parable, the farmer goes out and he sows seed and he scatters it. And he expects it to grow, but he doesn't know how. Um, Like, he, there's this process, right, of farming, but it's still a mystery. And he uses skills in the harvest, even though it's a mystery. And likewise, when it comes to evangelism and it comes to leading people to faith in Jesus, it's not a law or a formula. Like, like people coming to faith is still a mystery that God does, but there's also a process. And we get to participate in that process. And as we become more familiar with it, um, we become better at helping lead people through that. When I came to faith in Jesus, um, I was a college student, and um, I can distinctly, after I learned these five thresholds, I could distinctly look through my story and see these places where I clearly crossed each of these thresholds. So if you're someone who came to faith like later in life, you might be able to even identify your own story in this as we go through it. Um, but once we understand this process, why it's really helpful is because we, um, you can then identify which threshold your friend is in and then be more helpful in your conversations with that person. Because the person in threshold one is going to need something completely different from you than a person in threshold four. And so it helps you to actually meet them where they're at in their faith journey. Um, so for now, we're going to put our network maps aside for like, a hot second. We're going to come back to it in a little bit. Um, but um, yeah, we're going to dig into the first threshold. So would God give us wisdom and grace as we learn to lead our friends to Jesus? So trust is the first threshold. Um, people today often start, I don't know if you've noticed this, but people often start in a place of distrust towards Christians, um, a place of skepticism towards Christians. 
So I think for, you know, I was just talking with you, particularly I think in the Northeast, like people, you say you're a Christian and they're just turned off. They don't want to hear more. Um, and so we need to, in this stage where someone is distrusting us, build trust with them. That's the first thing they need from us. We need to be trust builders. We need to not be offended by their distrust. We need to engage in intentional trust building by having fun with them, inviting them to do the things we like to do, doing the things they like to do, basically being friends with them, right? Um, Building trust with them. Our friends don't yet have a reason to trust a Christian. If they believe that Christians are fanatical and narrow-minded, which is often portrayed, They want to keep their distance. That feels like the safest bet for them. And so our role is to gain their trust by lovingly and genuinely asking them questions, praying for them, praying for your heart to be softened, praying for their heart to be opened, praying for opportunities to be involved in their life. And so in threshold one, what a person is doing is moving into trust, a trust relationship with a Christian friend. We're going to watch a video on it. All right. Um, So... Your friend is in this threshold if they are on the left-hand side. You can always remember that when we're, like, looking at these slides. So if they distrust you or distrust Christians or you as a Christian, they're in threshold one. That could mean simply that you just haven't gotten to know them yet, like you're just not friends yet. Or it could mean that they've been hurt by the church or they've been hurt by Christians and they they might like you, but they might not trust you as a Christian. Um, an example of this is, so we were friends, but she didn't really trust me as a Christian. So one day, um, I went over her house and we cooked dinner together and hung out and laughed and I played with her kid. Um, and then after dinner, she put her daughter to bed and we just like sat down on the couch and talked and our conversation swung spiritual. And she just asked me a few questions about what I believed and I answered them and I didn't press her or push her or expand fully. I just answered her questions really honestly, and then she'd ask me another one, and I'd answer it honestly, and that was it. And we talked for probably like 45 minutes. And at the end of the conversation, she said, she literally thanked me, and she said, I've never been able to trust a Christian before because people have always just preached at me or made me try to convert to their religion. And thank you for talking to me, because now I know that I can talk to you about this kind of stuff, and I feel like I can trust you in that. And it was really simple. I won over her trust in terms of we can have now have faith conversations and it be an open place and a safe space for her. Um, so I watched her move through that threshold. She didn't trust me, and she grew in trust with me as a Christian. Um, What we're going to do right now, so actually, so at the end of all of this, like sneak preview, um, you're going to mark up as many people as possible on your network map and actually put them into thresholds. So that's the end goal tonight. Um, I'd like to do that at the end because some of the thresholds have like nuances that can be a little bit confusing and so it's just helpful to get it all done. But my guess is it's probably obvious who trust you at this point and who doesn't it feels like a pretty obvious threshold so we're going to do that right now is you're going to take out a colored pencil or a crayon um, denote one color to threshold one and so just kind of highlight or circle or whatever let's say you chose yellow 
that person in yellow if they don't trust you. And again, it could be just because you haven't actually made friends with them yet, or maybe they're your like high school buddy that you haven't talked to in like 20 years. Um, that's okay. You could you know put them in this threshold. Um, so just take a few minutes and color in or highlight people who you think you need to build trust with as a Christian. I just wanted to add that so you can help people in this stage by avoiding knee-jerk reactions to distrust. So don't get defensive. Um, don't argue with them. Don't judge them. Don't avoid them. Instead, use kingdom ways to build trust. So learn about them, about their beliefs. Bond with them, have fun with them, serve them, welcome them. Um, pushiness is not helpful if someone's in this threshold, so we don't want to be pushy with friends here. The next thing I'd like you to do, and we can crank up the music again and like after I say this, um, is I'd like you to just close your eyes and like for 30 seconds um, do some listening prayer and just ask God to highlight two of these names on this list. Just like who are two people that Jesus is calling your attention to? And then think of like one or two activities that you can do with them in the next month to build trust with them. So maybe it's something you do in person. Maybe it's a phone call or a text, um, whatever that might be. But just ask the Lord who he might be putting on your heart. Um, So you can go to the next slide. So. You have now built, sorry, the next slide. <laughs> You've now built trust with um, your friend. Now we're moving into threshold two. It's possible to have a trust relationship with someone for years without them having any interest in your faith. Um, you've probably had that experience. So threshold two is when they become curious. We need to learn how to ask questions that spark curiosity. Um, so our, friend, our role in this is to encourage questions and to live in curious ways. And you can play that video. All right. In case you can't tell, all of this was written in a book. <laughs> I once was lost, which is why they keep advertising it. Um, but so your friend is in this threshold if they are indifferent. So they trust you, but they're indifferent about your faith. The goal here is not to get them to follow Jesus right here, right now. The simple next step is to help them become curious. That's the goal in this threshold. Um, When my friend Allison came to faith, she um, was in college, and she was living at home with her mom. Um, Her mom was not a Christian. And her mom was very accepting of it, but was completely apathetic. Just like, didn't you know, whatever. Her daughter has a new religion. That's fine. Um... But so what Allison did was she started to live her faith more openly. So she would have her quiet time in the family room instead of her bedroom. And she'd come home and say, wow, I had a great time at church today. We learned about the peace that Jesus gives us in anxious circumstances or whatever. Like she wouldn't preach a whole sermon at her mom. She would just say a simple, here's what I learned at church today. Um, she would even share with her mom, like, wrestlings that she was having with God. Like, at one point, she was talking to her mom and saying, I feel like God's calling me into ministry, but I'm not really ready to let go yet, and I don't really know what to do. And so she was sharing, like, her faith experience with her mom in it. And after Allison began living her faith more openly, her mom became curious. Now, curiosity here is not necessarily, no, it's not. It's not for that person's own life. Her mom becomes curious about Allison's faith. 
So it's more like an academic exercise, you can think of it that way. Um, and so she began, you know, just asking Allison questions, what, what she believed, why she believed it, that type of thing. And so she watched her mom move from indifferent to curious. Again, it's not curious for them to apply it to their own life. It's just curious about that person's faith, why they believe what they believe. We can help friends in this stage by living out the word, by being vulnerable. That's really helpful, like how Allison was like vulnerable with her mom about her own wrestlings with God. Um, letting them see authentic Christian community. So if you're having a small group gathering, you can invite them to it. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, Ryan, but I'll say that. Um, just like letting people into your Christian community. Um, you can stimulate them by asking questions, like we saw in this video. Um, inviting them to a seeker-friendly event might be appropriate here. And so, um, yeah, the, it's important here not to get, like, defensive or argumentative with someone. Again, it's just to provoke their curiosity about God. That's the win. Um, so we're not going to mark up our network maps just yet, but um, I want you to come up with what your two questions are that you can keep in your back pocket that the video referenced. So one to get the conversation going and one to, sorry, one to get the conversation started and one to keep the conversation going. So an example might be, do you have any faith background? What does that mean for you today? That was like the example they gave. Um, so what's something that flows naturally from you that you could kind of keep in your back pocket? So as a recap, your friend has begun to trust you. They've become curious about your faith. Now, the next step is from where that person goes from being closed to change in their life to being open to change in their life. Um, threshold three is probably the hardest threshold for someone to move through. It's also the most mysterious and um, misunderstood, probably, of all of the thresholds. So remember, someone is in threshold three when they're starting in a place of curiosity about your faith background. This is when our friends need um, us desperately to offer them truth in love and to encourage them to be open to change. Um, so we'll, we will watch that video and then we'll talk about it. All right, so remember, someone is in this threshold if they're on the left-hand side. So when they're, they're curious about your faith, but they're closed to change in their life. The goal is not to see them come to know Jesus right now, at this step, it's to see them become open to change in their life. Um, our friends in this threshold need to be shown um, that their worldview is not necessarily all kosher, right? Um, and when someone questions their worldview or contemplates a Christian perspective, it's revolutionary in their lives. Um, it means coming to terms with, like, deep-seated dissatisfactions, unanswered questions, and disappointments. And that's why this threshold is so hard for someone to move through. So our role is to challenge our friends to grow in areas of personal struggle by asking them to invite God to make that change. So you can pray with your friend um, to invite God into parts of their lives that they want to see uh, have change happen in them. This threshold is kind of hard to determine if someone's crossing through because it's, it's like a passive state. It's an internal change that happens within them where they go, 
oh, I could be open to my life looking different or being different. Um, Before I was a Christian, my friend Robin would share with me about her faith, and I would ask her questions. Um, I, I was simply curious. I was definitely through the second threshold. I was curious because this Jesus that she talked about was very different than the Jesus I was raised hearing about. Um, she was telling me about a relationship with Jesus, which was just a concept I have never even heard of before. And so I was curious. But just because I was curious, I, I had no intention of changing my worldview, of changing the way I lived my life. And to be clear, I was like suffering with depression and suicidal ideation. And even in that, I was like, I, I didn't want my life to change. I was close to change. And so Robin would prompt me. Sometimes she'd be gentle, sometimes she'd be firm, and she'd kind of put her foot down, and she would tell me that the way I was living was not helping anything. And after months, I mean, we had conversations for months and months and months. And after that, I noticed that this shift happened inside of me. And I was like, you know what? I do need a change in my life. I am open to change. And I was willing to find that in Jesus, But I was also willing to find that in other things, too. And we're going to talk about that when we go through the next threshold. So someone being open to change doesn't mean that they're seeking after Jesus. They're just open to change in their life. So I was going to Bible studies because I was open to Jesus meeting the needs that I had. I was also exploring other spiritual options. And I got into a relationship that was unhealthy because I thought that person would would help bring change to my life. And I was trying on different, like... Like, I would go from being, like, gothic to being, like, jock in, like, three months because I was just trying to find where I fit. And so I was trying to change my life. Um, And Jesus could have been one of those options for me. I wasn't sure. So that was how I moved through that threshold. Um, She would prompt me, and she was very direct with me. Um, We can help friends in this stage by gently confronting them, by deconstructing their worldview, by raising strategic issues. We can also interpret for them how God is working. So like if your friend says, oh, I was having such a hard time meeting this month's rent and then I found $100 on the floor, you might say, wow, it really looks like God is trying to provide for you in your time of need. So you're just trying to like interpret for them events in their life and what's happening. You can ask them questions like, what's keeping you from becoming open to change in your life? Pushiness is appropriate in this threshold. So pushiness was not appropriate in thresholds one or two, but now somebody needs you to push them um, into being open to change. So as someone moves through this threshold, they become aware that they have emotional and spiritual needs that are being unmet. And they may never have considered that God could meet those needs before. So your next step is to ask them, how do they want to grow personally? Ask them, how do they think God might help them meet that growth? Offer to pray with them. Um, you might say, what, what need would you like God to meet in your life? What would it look like for you to become open to trying something like prayer, to ask him to meet that need? Um, so those are ways that you can like prompt someone to just become open. So turn to the person next to you and just share. So out of these styles we talked about, like gently exposing pain and brokenness or maybe being more direct um, in, in your approach, what do you feel more comfortable with? Are you more of a direct person or like a gentle person and you're confronting people? Just turn and share that. All right, so our friend began to trust us. They became 
curious about our faith, they became open to change in their life. Now the goal is to help them actually seek Jesus. So this is where um, somebody starts, um, like I was doing. I was kind of like wandering. Like I was looking for change and trying change in all these places. And what I needed somebody to do was to narrow my quest and actually seek Jesus for those answers and for that change. All right, so as a reminder, someone is in this threshold when they're open to change, but they're wandering. Um, They uh, are looking for change, they're looking for hope in different places, and our job is to narrow their quest and help them seek Jesus alone. A quote from that book that keeps getting (laughs) advertised is, when someone is truly seeking, there's an urgency and purpose to their searching. Even they feel that the time is ripe. They want answers to their questions. They want to come to some conclusions. So our role is to um, help them engage stories of Jesus and show them how Jesus engages their questions and their longings via prayer, Bible study, things like that. And so as it was saying, you can invite your friends into having a Bible study with you and things like that. Um, I had a student at TCNJ. His name was Kevin, and he was a very staunch atheist student when I met him. He was curious about many religions, and so um, he was, we'd have many conversations when I first met him. And he finally became open to change in his life, but he wasn't seeking Jesus specifically. He was, like, searching in all of these different religions. And so various people in the chapter began to talk with him and challenged him to pray, to read the Bible for himself, and to watch for God. And so he actually came to one of our retreats, and at the retreat, someone there said, ask God to show up. And so he, uh, we went into a time of worship that night and he prayed and he asked Jesus to show up and he had this like powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit in worship. And after that, he began digging into scripture for the rest of the weekend. Like he was like, I need to get my questions answered and I'm going to find this in scripture. Um, and he read it through the whole weekend. And so he began to intentionally seek after Jesus and not other religions. And so we saw him when threshold three, right? You see this like passive state of someone becoming open to change. This is a very active state of someone actively searching after Jesus. You can like physically see them doing that. It's also different from threshold two, right? Where that person is just kind of curious academically or curious about your life. They're curious for their own life. They're seeking for their own answers. So remember, as the video was saying, we can help friends in this stage by praying with them, by helping through that walk through like apologetics types questions or books, inviting them to read scripture with you, and that type of thing. Um, I did like the question that they said, if you could ask Jesus one honest question that would help you trust him, what would you ask? I think that's a really helpful question to like keep in your back pocket. So turn to the person sitting next to you and share of these three approaches, so praying with friends, apologetics, and scripture with friends, which one feels like the easiest and least intimidating to you? And then which one feels the hardest? And what do you need from Jesus to be open to doing any of those three? So now we're going to move on to our last threshold. So your friend began to trust you, became curious about your faith, became open to change in their life, started seeking after Jesus. Now we have the joy of inviting them to actually follow Jesus with their whole lives. Um, We get to show them how good Jesus and the kingdom of God are. 
and we get to support them in their new journey of faith when they do say yes. All right, so our friends are in this threshold if they're actively seeking after Jesus, but they haven't decided to follow him yet. And our goal is to see them become a follower of Jesus. Um, Often when our friends have been seeking for some time, we sense that they are ripe and um, they need to make a decision. And so we can just ask them flat out if they want to follow Jesus um, explicitly and simply. Urgency is super appropriate in this threshold. Like we want to be urgent with our friends. Um, Our role here is to share the gospel with them and to invite them to say yes to following Jesus. Um, we're going to come back to that, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I did want to share this story with you that probably Hope and Ryan have heard me share a thousand times, maybe. But um, I, when I first came on staff with the university, we had this freshman retreat. And um, on the Friday night of the retreat, we had, like, some student leaders share their testimonies from the front. And then um, I had, like, shared the gospel and made this call to faith. And it was super exciting this one year because, like, a third of the room had stood up. It was like seven students stood up. And so we celebrated with them, and then we went out for this bonfire where we were debriefing with each of them. And I will never forget that I went up to this student, Amanda, and I just said to her, like, hey, I noticed you stood up during the call to faith. Tell me what was going on for you. Why did you decide to follow Jesus? And she said to me, you know, I've been um, seeking Jesus for a while. Like, my my cousin's a Christian, and I've been going to things with her, and um exploring Jesus, but no one has ever asked me to follow him before, and you asked me, so I said yes, and my mind was blown, because I was like, oh my gosh, how many other people are just waiting to be asked to follow Jesus, and I started reflecting on my own story, and I was like, man, if someone had just asked me, I probably would have come to Jesus months before I actually did. Um, But no one had ever asked me. And so we need to actually ask our friends, do you want to become a follower of Jesus? We can help our friends in this stage by being appropriately urgent, by being clear and letting them know that there's a line to cross. There's a decision to be made. Um, We want to challenge their relativism, challenge their sin, help them count the cost and get used to Jesus' lordship in their life. And we need to know how to clearly share the gospel with them. So your next step would be, you can ask them, can I share how someone becomes a follower of Jesus? And then you can share the gospel with them and invite them to follow Jesus. You can also say something like, you've been exploring Jesus for a while. What's keeping you from saying yes to him? What's keeping you from putting him at the center of your story? Um... So what we're going to do right now is we're going to actually uh, role play with a partner and practice sharing the gospel with that person. I think we all have, there's an even amount, so this is great. Um, There are many visual aids to help us in sharing the gospel. If you've been trained in evangelism before, you've probably heard of some, maybe like the bridge diagram. That's like a popular one. Um, I, InterVarsity came up with um, this one that we call the big story or the four worlds. And I personally really like it because it not only shows how Jesus um, covers our sin and restores relationship um, between us and him, but it also shows like a Christian worldview and it shows how we um, partner with Jesus after we come, become saved. So it like shows that there's, you know, you don't just stop at becoming saved. There's more to being a Christian than that. Um, so, uh, can I role play with you real quick? Yeah. 
just to give you an example of it. Everyone can clap for Gavin. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't tell him he was going to do this. Okay. Um, so, Gavin, can I share with you how someone becomes a follower of Jesus? Yeah. Awesome. You can go to the slide with the four circles. Um, if I was meeting with someone, I would actually draw this out. I had a friend who, like, um, met someone for dinner, and he drew it out on a napkin while they were sitting there. Um, so you start in the upper, what is this, the left, upper left-hand corner, and you go clockwise. Can you see it? Yeah, okay. Um, so Gavin, uh, as Christians, we believe that God created the world, and it was good. It was perfect. There was no evil, no brokenness in it. We were in perfect relationship with God, perfect relationship with one another. But then what happened was, we as humans, we chose our own way. And we were like, God, we don't really need you. We're not going to really follow the rules that you've set up. Um, We're going to do our own thing. And when that happened, brokenness entered the world. And that's what you see in the second bubble there. And now we have this broken relationship with God, broken relationship with one another. There's brokenness internally. Like when I look at myself, like I struggle with anxiety. And that's something that wouldn't have been there before um, that moment happened. And you look at the world and just the brokenness that exists around us. I mean, in the past year and a half, COVID, we could talk about lots of brokenness that happened during COVID. Um, But other things too, like murder and genocide and just all of the the chaos in the world. Um, What are some things that you notice that are broken, either in the world or in yourself? People stealing things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I noticed those things as well. Um, what's really great is that Jesus, or sorry, God didn't leave us in that place. And so what he did was he came as Jesus, um, and because of the brokenness, because we turned away from him, we deserve to die. But Jesus actually took on that sin and, and died for us. And then he didn't just stay there in the grave. He actually rose three days later. He conquered death. And now we can enter into this relationship with him. This relationship that was once broken can now be mended between us and God. Um, And we can begin to see that restoration. And then after we we begin to experience restoration with Jesus, he sends us out to partner with him in restoring relationships with one another, relationships um, with the world, Um, and just seeing his kingdom come in places in the world. So as you look at these four circles, where do you think you're in right now? Maybe top right. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that's where a lot of people see themselves. Um, What's really great is you don't have to stay in that place. If you just decide to enter into a relationship with Jesus, you could actually move into that third one where you begin to experience restoration. Would you want to become a follower of Jesus today? Yeah. That's so great. (laughs) Okay. So that's just a brief example. Um, I also like this because this one time I had, um, I was doing this on campus. We were like doing it like contact evangelism at TCNJ and, um, I had had, I asked the person, you know, name the brokenness you see, and the person, like, shared the things that, that they saw in the second bubble or whatever. So at the end of it, I asked them, where, where would you put yourself? Like, where do you see? And this kid was, like, clearly uncomfortable with the idea of, like, talking about any of this, and he was like, I would say the first one. Everything's good. 
And I, and I was able to say, but you just identified for me, like out loud, that there is brokenness. So I think you're at least in this one. And then he was like, this is going too deep. This is going too deep. And like, that was kind of the end of the conversation. But I was able to like hopefully provoke some curiosity with him. Um, and so it's, I think, a helpful thing because you're getting the person to actually process what they experience and that type of thing. But you don't have to use this. It's just I wanted to give you one if you've never had like a visual aid to help you before. So um, find a partner. You guys are a group of three. So if one of you want to just sit up here so that everyone is a partner. <laughs> um, we're going to take 10 minutes. Do we have 10 minutes? Yikes. We're going to take eight minutes <laughs> to um, four minutes each, okay, to uh, practice sharing the gospel with that person. So choose someone to go first, and then I'm going to switch you in four minutes. Ready? Go. All right. I'm going to bring us back together. I know that person got a little bit cut off. Um, we are quickly running out of time. I, I told someone before this that I feel like I could do a whole weekend on this. This is like the like speed version of the 101 class of this. Um, but what we're going to do for the last 15 minutes is you're going to take out your network map and you're going to identify, you're going to put people in thresholds that you think they're in. So make a little key for yourself at the bottom, color code it, um, and identify where people are at. I did want to point out three different things. Um, if you go to the first slide, the next one, I mean. Um, if you have nominal Christians on your list, um, we, InterVarsity recommend, the people who created this stuff, recommends um, that you focus um, them typically on the fourth threshold. Um, and this is some information about that, but I would probably put them in threshold four. If you feel like they fit in a different threshold, you could just raise your hand and I can come over and talk it through with you. And maybe, maybe they do belong in a different threshold, but that would be like our first recommendation if you're unsure and they're nominal Christian. Um, next slide, sorry. If you have someone on your list that's in higher education, so like graduate students or college faculty, people who are asking really d uh, deep questions and things like that, um, what they have found as they've done a bunch of this evangelism with those types of people and stuff like that is that they don't necessarily need or want immediate answers, and it's better for us to have just really good questions for those people, um, that that is really helpful for them as they're moving through the different thresholds. And so that's something to just remind you if you feel nervous about someone who, like, needs a lot of science answers or something like that, that just, like, knowing good questions to ask is probably the most helpful. And then... Someone of other religions. So they did interview various new believers in Turkey when they did this, and they found with Muslims, both nominal and devout, that they did still go through these five thresholds. Um, particularly, though, they were very slow to cr trust Christians, and they are very slow to become curious. So that's something to just keep in mind if you have Muslim friends on your list or people of other religions on your list. Um, really helpful things to do with people of other faiths is to, like, go to their faith event, re read their religious text, and just, like, build conversations and trust that way about what you each believe. Um, be curious. Ask them good questions about what they believe and why. Um, and then you can tell them honest stories about your own needs and how you bring your issues to Jesus in prayer. So you can also ask—this uh, is the second to last bullet point— 
Ask if you can pray for them in the name of Jesus. And you can say, it's fine if you don't believe in Jesus. I need to pray in the name of Jesus because it's the only way I know how to access his power. And so actually, like, having that conversation about praying to Jesus. Um, and you can also suggest certain Bible stories like Luke 23 to read with him. So those are just some quick tidbits if you have anybody like that on your network map. But go to your network map. Try to put people on thresholds. If you want to talk through anybody on your list, just, like, raise your hand, and I can come over to you, and we can kind of try to figure out where somebody fits. Oh, and I gave you this cheat sheet that's really excellent um, that you could just take home with you and <laughs> have as you have these conversations two pieces of homework. One is to pray over your network maps. Um, it might be that you need to add more people to it too, and like people come to mind and you keep adding them, that's great. So fold it up, put it in your Bible or your journal, or tape it to your wall or your mirror, someplace where you look every day, um, and just pray for God to help each of the people on your maps, regardless of where they're at, take whatever the next step in their spiritual journey is, and cross the win is for them to get into the next threshold. Um, and so pray for them. The second piece of homework is how we did a little bit of real quick listening prayer, asking Jesus to highlight two people for us. I want you to do that on your own by looking at your whole map and ask Jesus to highlight three names, regardless of what threshold they're in, um, that he wants you to focus on in the next few months. Um, and then as you have those three names, be super intentional about, um, about helping those three people move through these thresholds um, and really focusing in on them. Um, so praying over your network maps, asking Jesus to highlight three people, and doing some next steps with them in the next couple of months. Um, I meant to say this earlier. Hope asked me a question in threshold two, right? How do you spark curiosity? with someone you've known for a while. Yeah, so something we were talking about is um, if it's someone you've, been, you've known for a while, but they're apathetic, I would just use things that are happening in their life in the day-to-day to provoke them with questions. So if they say something to you like, man, I'm just feeling so anxious today, you could say something. What, what did you say you said to her? Like, well, I was just saying if you ask them, like, oh, how do you normally like, deal with that? Or what normally helps right. you? And then, and then they can share what helps them. And you can say, oh, when I'm feeling anxious, this is what I do. And just like quickly, you know, a quick snippet, share about Jesus. Um, so just anything that might be, you know, if you talk to someone regularly, just looking for those opportunities to kind of insert different things, different questions to them. Um, if it's someone you know really well but haven't talked to in a while, you could use COVID as an excuse. How's it been for you over this last year and a half? You know, wh- what have you felt like has been a need for you in your life over this last year and a half? And just use that and say, oh, for me, this is what I've found has been a need for me. And just kind of provoke them that way. So that's probably what I would do with people like that. All right. Well, it has been a blessing to be with you all tonight. Let me pray for you and for the names on your map, and then I will let you go home to go to bed or whatever. Whatever time you all go to bed, I go to bed early. Um, Jesus, we thank you um, that you are ever at work, God, that you have put these people in our paths for a purpose, um, and that you are already drawing them to yourself. God, we believe that, that you're already at work in them. And so would you show us in these next few weeks, what it is you want us to do, how you want us to steward those relationships. 
Um, Lord, would you show us what people to focus on, what things to do with them that would specifically help them, um, and would, yeah, would it all be to your glory that we would see more people come to know you in real and significant ways, um, that we would celebrate more brothers and sisters coming into the kingdom. We pray all this in your name. Amen.